Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, the Word of Spirit Justice Witness. I want to keep talking about the Word dimension of discipleship and um, looking at the closeness of the Word and uh, this topic of God's Word being close, God being close, is especially important for all of us who who can feel like God is distant for various reasons. And many of the people we work with in our jails and immigrant community and people coming out of prison, you know, they uh, often can assume that um, that you have to do a lot in order to get God's help. And uh, just knowing that, that there's a, a God of grace who's available to us is huge. So let's look at Romans chapter 10, beginning verse 5. For Moses writes that the person who practices the righteousness, which is based on law, shall live by that righteousness. And we know from Paul's writings that, um, you know, that to try to save ourselves through observing the law of Moses or any religious system is just impossible. And that's one of Paul's major contributions is just recognizing that all of his righteousness he recognized were like um, scubulos, like refuse uh, excrement, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as Lord. You know, uh, many of us, we try to um, achieve a righteousness based on the law. I was just in drug court and saw a judge just uh, rail against a person, uh, listing all of the little things that that person wasn't doing to comply. And, um, and that person was pressured you know, by um, the possibility of going off to prison. There's like a hammer over her head. And, um, you know, in so much of our, of our system and our, just our, the world functions that way, right? You, pay, you have to pay fines with interest. And, um, and, you know, unless you comply with, with things like that, you're going to money's, you know, your bill is going to go to collection agency. You know, there's really no grace in our, in our world when it comes to living by the rules and the regulations. You know, maybe there are ways around it, but they're legal ways that require spending money on attorneys or or just successful advocacy. And all of that's really important. But with God, uh, when we come un- under a, a notion of God where it's all about performance, it's all about, you know, um, doing different things to get God to help us. You know, do you do things? Um, do you feel pressured to comply with a, with a particular way of living um, you know, a moral code or, you know, a set of uh, sort of actions that you deem righteous. Do you feel a pressure to do that and um, with the assumption that God's going to bless you as a result, you know, directly as a result of, of you complying? I think many of us do, you know, especially when we're in trouble and we're, and we're desperate for a breakthrough in a given area. We, you know, we can fall into performance righteousness. And, and so, uh, Paul's writing that the person that lives by the law, that practices the righteousness based on the law, shall live by that righteousness. And in other words, it's like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it, you know, by the letter. But in contrast, the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. So a righteousness based on faith is a completely different thing than a righteousness based on the law. Uh, Paul writes, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So don't say in your heart, you know, um, how are we going to get Christ Jesus to come down from heaven to rescue us? Um, You know, um, 
like we can do that through prayer, through fasting, through, you know, some sort of action, you know, worship, you know, 40 day fast. I mean, there's so many things that we, we tend to do in, in the name of, of just, uh, you know, holiness, righteousness, you know, and Paul's saying, don't say that in your heart. Okay. Don't say that in your heart. Um, don't even be tempted to, to think that way, like that you can bring Christ down or bring him up. Because in verse eight, Paul writes, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching. So, um, Paul's saying that the word doesn't need to be um, conjured up or down, you know, or performed in order to get it. Um, but really, it's near us already, which is what Jesus was proclaiming when he says, um, repent for the kingdom of God is drawing close. You know, the nearness of God is something we can count on. Um, Jesus uh, models this by just going right to where people were. You know, he went to the seashore and he saw the fishermen and he called them. He went to the tax booth and saw Matthew and called him. He saw a leper. He saw a blind man. You know, so many of Jesus's actions show uh, Jesus to be that shepherd that seeks after the lost sheep until he finds them. And, you know, God is a very present help in times of trouble. And we see in Genesis 4 that when Cain is angry, God's right there. Cain, why are you angry? You know, the word of God um, the voice of God uh, saying to the man and the woman, you know, where are you after they've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You know, God's walking in the garden looking for them. The nearness of the word, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. It's like it's already just right there where you are. And um, I was asking the question to a bunch of uh, our people in our church on Sunday that, you know, when you're when you're just cussing someone out, when you're um, when your mouth is just speaking profanities and, and when you're raging, you're angry, you're in, in a really bad state. Is the word of God in your mouth? Is it close? Or do you, do you assume that the word is, you know, the presence of God is, has left you, you know, because you in reality believe that sin does separate you from God. It, it, it shoes God away. It, it's like God can't be around you when you're in a bad state. You've got to get yourself all uh, you know, kind of righteous, cleaned up, cleansed in order for the, the word to be near you. And people, we all think, I think um, the tendency is, is to assume that, yeah, we do have to do our part. And, uh, and of course we do, we do, we should want to. And if we're experiencing God's love and God's grace and God's closeness, we will want to, we will want to clean up our lives and confess our sins and receive the forgiveness and, and change our way of, of living. That's going to be a natural consequence, but that it needs to be a natural consequence or a supernatural consequence of the grace of God that we that we say yes to, rather than um, you know the the thing that we do in order to get the help. So the nearness of the word. Um, do we look for the nearness of the word in the middle of a temptation? Do you ever experience um, like the voice of God or or a thought that comes into your mind? Um, pulling you in a, in a positive direction, away from the temptation, away from, you know, the moment of uh, losing your temper or cursing someone or gossiping? Or uh, do you feel that the word comes to you and, and says, just admit you're wrong, uh, just confess it and, and apologize, just uh, turn away from that action, go the other direction? Um, you know, I know um, 
I know that I can often experience that. Um, I mean, I just, I just recently was in a situation where I, I had to decide, was I going to help somebody to, uh, get out of jail, um, through doing some advocacy. And I, part of me was just like, I don't have time for this. I've got a, I've got so much to do right now. And this person, they've, they've been foolish. They've made a mistake. Maybe they just need to learn. And, um, but there was this voice saying, you know, do your part. Like, um, you can do something, you can make a difference in this situation. Just, uh, go for it. So I started calling, um, this person was stuck in, in Wyoming and uh, they had a warrant from 2010 and that was causing them to be stuck in jail and their, and their truck was going to be uh, towed to a, an impounded, which would have meant huge amounts of money just to get it out of impound. And, um, I called and I tracked down, um, you know, the, the reference number for the, the previous, uh, it was a traffic violation that caused the person to have a warrant. And I called the court and clerk and got them to, um, just talk to them about, about this person's situation. And, and they were able to talk to the judge and they, they were a very kind person and, um, and the, and the, the, the warrant was canceled. And so this person was released from jail, but they still owed uh, a huge towing fee from getting their car towed from the highway to the, to the jail. And, um, and I felt like a voice just said, just, uh, you know, find a way to cover it. And, uh, it's hard sometimes to, to say yes to what God is calling us to do. Sometimes it involves, you know, personal sacrifice. It involves giving of our time. And yet it's that nearness of God, that God's word that it, when we welcome it, it will, will become more aware of it and more sensitized to it when we act on it. You know, when, when God is, the spirit is saying, Hey, just apologize and just admit your wrongdoing. Don't justify yourself. And we do it. Okay. The next time uh, we have an opportunity to, to do the same thing, it may be easier for us, you know, but when we close our hearts to the word, it becomes harder because we become hardened. Our hearts become hardened. Our ears become deaf. And so uh, the nearness of God is something that's important to be able to recognize and act on the nearness of the word. And that's the word of faith and which Paul says he's preaching that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the word of faith, which is just um, us speaking out our confession that Jesus saves us and um, he saves us by his actions. If we confess that Jesus is Lord, in other words, Jesus is God. You know, Jesus is Lord is the affirmation that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, sometimes called Yahweh, but the Greek version is kurios, which in English is Lord. So Jesus is Lord, is saying Jesus is God. So if we confess that Jesus reveals God, Jesus is God, Jesus reveals the Father. There is no uh, faraway, distant, um, angry, punishing judge who's the Father, uh, who's different from Jesus. Jesus is um, this God, God. Jesus is God, the, the Father. And um, I mean, the I and the Father are one, Jesus says. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and, um, you know, and, and when Jesus went to the cross, you know, he took on all the sins of the world, and um, they died with him. And, and God's raising him from the dead is the defeat of death, the defeat of the ultimate sanction for our lawlessness and for, and for human sin. And, um, and so our destiny has been, undone by the, by the resurrection. And just, uh, 
confessing this with our mouth and believing it in our heart. Okay, both uh, speaking out our agreement and then from the heart believing. That, um, that results in us being saved. For with the heart, a person believes. It's interesting. We think that our mind is primarily the place of belief. And I was just uh, listening to someone talk the other day about how they were thinking about eternal life and then um, feeling like with their mind, they just couldn't believe it. They couldn't fathom how that could be true. But something in their heart was saying that it's true, that that there is eternal life, that there is life after death. And and they and they went with their heart rather than with their mind. And um, do you ever do that? Do you ever notice the difference between your mind that resists and your heart that is affirming something that kind of leaps and and responds positively to, to something? Maybe we need to learn how to, to believe with our heart. Um, and that, re that results in righteousness, um, Paul writes. With the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, they confess, resulting in salvation. So we, you know, we believe in that acts, that leads to actions that are in alignment with the grace that we're affirming, that, um, that Jesus saves us. Uh, not because of our performance, but because of God's love and, and mercy. And that leads to um, action, which is what is true righteousness, not based on the law, but based on faith. Um, Paul writes in verse 11, For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Wow, that's, very, that's powerful thinking about that. Um, when we believe with our heart, Paul's saying we won't be disappointed. We won't be um, have you ever been disappointed when you've believed? You know, I wonder if when we believe with our mind, uh, that's different than believing with our heart. Maybe we can be disappointed because our, our brains uh, just get befuddled by our logic and our reason. But when we go with our heart and believe with our heart, Paul says we will not be disappointed. You know, maybe we need to persevere. Uh, often I know that I do. And and, and persevering... Um, is necessary because some often things just don't work out as fast as as we'd like like even in the case of uh, releasing getting this person released from jail today um it took time you know the, the court clerk had to talk to the judge the the judge had to do whatever research he had to do and then call back the court clerk the court clerk had to call me back um the person at the jail who could have had my um my, my friend's uh, truck towed uh, and impounded from the jail parking lot, had to talk to his um, superior. That person wasn't, hadn't started working yet. Time, it took time for everything to work out. It takes time for, you know, for God to move because God moves through people. And so, um, but, but here Paul's saying, uh, the person who believes will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. In other words, there's no distinction between, um, you know, between people, the people of God who are called Jews here, and we could say just believers, there's no distinction between people of God, believers, and Greeks, in other words, pagans, um, because this same God is close to all of us, right? The word is close. It's in our hearts, in our mouth. For the same Lord is Lord of all, Paul writes. Wow. So we can talk about this with anybody. They don't have to be an insider. Um, they, um, in fact, this message speaks to outsiders, speaks to people that are not yet uh, actively calling themselves Christians. You know, I've seen so many people identify the presence of God. Um, you know, the thoughts, words, 
um, presence that are coming from the Holy Spirit into their mindset, calling them to uh, to choose a, a, a path out of a problem or a, a path that's a, a righteous path. And uh, so many people have have experiences like that. Um, nearly everybody. I mean, if you just talk to to anyone, people will, um, will will tell you, yes, there was a time when I had to make a choice, and and these thoughts came in, and they were telling me to do this negative thing. To you know, there was this reactive part of me that was um, maybe the temptation to do uh, to do evil, and then there was uh, another part that was calling me to something else. And, and I went with that part, right? I ignored that part and went with the temptation. You know, um, maybe you can identify times when the word has been close to you and you've ignored it or when, or you've not ignored it, you've gone with it. And, um, so then Paul keeps going verse 13 for whoever, um, well, let's go back to verse 12 again, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call upon him. Wow. Abounding in riches for who? Um, if this God, the, who's Lord of all, Jesus, um, you know, is, uh, who's, who's one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, is, uh, is rich. He's abounding in riches. Um, and um, we can benefit by calling on him. Wow, let's do it. I, I want to do it more. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, which we know from the New Testament, that name is Jesus. And then this next part, I just love um, because I think this is the recruitment part. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So you're not going to call on someone if you don't believe. If if there's not faith to uh, that's stirred up to cause you to move in the direction of calling out. Um, how will they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Okay, if they've never, um, if they've never heard of of this God, who's revealed in Jesus as a friend of sinners, who's close, who who, you know, who went everywhere and who who preached everywhere to the to the masses and and whose word goes out now to the ends of the earth, and uh, if they hadn't, if they haven't heard, um, how can they believe? And how will they hear without a preacher? So um, one of the things that's, that's really important is that um, in order for the word to be near, one of the primary ways that it is near is through, um, is through us, through you and me, through it being carried by human mediators who are disciples, who have said yes to the call, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of people. Um, the primary action of Jesus and the disciples was about proclamation, preaching going out everywhere from place to place. And that is um, still the case. How will they preach unless they're sent? Okay, so we need um, we need to be sending people. We need to say yes when we're being sent, when the, the, the voice of God, the closeness of the word comes to us and mobilizes us to call on somebody. Um, yesterday, I felt called to call several people by phone. And, you know, and first I thought it was kind of in vain because often I do that and I just get uh, people's, um, you know, voice message systems that haven't been set up or that are jammed up and there's no place to even leave a message. And so I text people and sometimes it just takes a while. Uh, but yesterday, a person that I contacted numerous times last week called me. It turns out this person had to take a 
a second job. So they were working eight to six and then, um, and then seven to 11 every day. And so that's why they didn't call me back, but they called and clearly God's moving in this person's life. And, and it was important that I wrote them a text and that I, that I persevered because they felt cared for. And this is a person that we're hope, hopefully preparing for baptism soon. And then another person I called uh, several times and they called me back and uh, wanted me to come actually right then and there. It was, it was last night at nine o'clock and uh, to pray and to do some uh, important prayer ministry that was some follow-up from some deliverance that happened last week. And we, we went and it was, it was beautiful. And, um, and of course, I know that we can't just make ourselves available 24 seven because we're human beings and we need to have boundaries and we need to discern, but God is needing and wanting, um, us, our collaboration. Um, of course, God can speak directly, but God's preferred way is to be incarnate through human beings. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. So, um, this ends with, um, how will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So let's be those beautiful feet. Let's say yes to that call to, uh, let, let God mobilize us. Um, let's say yes to the word that comes to us in our distress, in our anxiety and our fear. Um, let's welcome the nearness of God's love and let's call upon him and benefit from his abundant riches that are available to all who call on his name. And let's, um, let him, let God, let Jesus mobilize us to be part of, uh, to be carriers of that, of the abundant riches of that love everywhere um, that we're sent.